When a young woman and her cat stop at a hotel on a road trip, they have no idea they're about to come face to face with paranormal madness. And then we take a look at the story of a house that's built right next to a forest. Most people would say, what a beautiful view. I can look out my window at any time and see squirrels jumping from tree to tree. However, those people are idiots. Because anyone who knows anything about the world of the paranormal knows there are monsters behind every tree. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had an awesome weekend. Hope you guys had tons of fun hanging out, doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. Literally, I waited before this episode started. First off, running into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Jim Crowley. Woohoo, yeah! <laughs> we yay, yay! Clapping. He's doing a little dance for us. Jim, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially through the Patreon or other means, that's totally fine. It truly is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Now, like I said, we have a ton of stuff to cover today. So, And that's true. Because first off, I got to give a shout out to Into the Obscure podcast. That's into the obscure podcast. All the links are going to be in the show notes. They interviewed me last week for their show. They do a paranormal interview show. It was a lot of fun. I recommend you guys checking that out into the obscure podcast. Check it out. And I've not announced this on the show yet, and it's coming up soon. I don't know why I took so long. You know, just busy, I guess. November 10th. I will be giving a live presentation, Port Gamble, Washington, at the Port Gamble Ghost Conference. I will be giving a live presentation. (laughs) Jason, you sound like you're barely awake, least enthused. You're like, oh, whatever, I'll be here. I am barely awake. We'll get to that, maybe. I don't know what's going on. I'm so... I got a nap all the time. Maybe, Maybe it's because I just turned 47 the other day. Um, Let me get a little bit of pep in my step. Let me dance around a bit here. The Port Gamble Ghost Conference is coming up November 10th through the 12th, 2023. Involves ghosts and ghouls, goblins of all sorts, mostly ghosts. Otherwise, they would have called it the Goblin Conference. I, your lovable, huggable host, Jason Carpenter will be presenting a speech, a live presentation on November 10th, 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 2023. It's going to open the conference. So all you procrastinators, you're like, what? You're just telling me about this. And now I'm like, what? You're going to be there the very first speaker on November 10th? Yes, yes. The very first speaker. I'm the opening act, which I requested. That way I could relax the rest of the weekend. So come check it out. November 10th through the 12th. I only speak on the 10th, and then I give a presentation the next day about paranormal podcasting. But what's my presentation on, you ask? You ask? You ask? Why are there no fat ghosts? And you go, Jason, first off, you should learn how to pronounce the word ghost with a plural. 
You always add syllables to stuff. Ghosts. But didn't you already do that presentation, bro? I already saw you do that same presentation at the Seaside Ghost Conference. Well, here's the thing. It's the same title. Brand new presentation. So if you've already heard Why Are There No Fat Ghosts live, it's going to be all new ghost stories. Because we've actually researched more, found more stories. So it's the brand new for you. You, you, you. November 10th, 2023 at Port Gamble, Washington. Probably should have announced that way earlier because there is no hotels in the area. Uh, we're going to be staying probably like a 20-minute drive out of the convention center. But anyways, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I'm going to be talking about it, obviously, a lot more. We're going to be taking a break. My goal is to do episodes all the way up to Halloween. We're getting close to that 50-episode limit where I start to just kind of crash and burn, and then I take a two-week break. But I think we can make it till Halloween, and then after that, next time you'll see me is at the Port Gamble Ghost Conference. Be there or be scared because you missed it and you'd be sad as well jim let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dune buggy we are leaving oh you know i got one more thing i want to talk about let's see are we going to squeeze it in am i going to have to bump this bathroom story back one more time i think we can fit it in jim i'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the jason jet we're going to leave behind dead rabbit command Fly us all the way out to Israel. This is a super short story. I'm assuming everybody has opened the newspaper or been within earshot of someone who has read the news in the past week. Horrific tragedies going on in Israel. Troops are, as I'm recording this, Israeli Defense Force has their troops massed on the border of the Gaza Strip. They're ready to go in for like the first time in decades. You're going to have a bunch of ground troops in there. Crazy stuff, right? Russia saying, hey, be careful what goes on. Iran's, you know, saying, hey, you know, we'll back Hezbollah if the Israelis actually move in ground troops into Gaza. President Biden sends over, now we have two aircraft carriers over in that region. Not a political podcast. We're not going to get into the politics of it. But, there's something really interesting going on. It's really weird. Really, really weird. Here's the thing. I suffer from anxiety attacks from time to time. It's gotten better. It's definitely gotten better. My my anxiety attacks tend to mimic heart attacks. It's very common, very common type of anxiety attack. What'll what'll happen to me is, you know, I'm lifting weights or I pick up something wrong and I pull a muscle in my chest. Totally normal. Wouldn't it be normal if I used good form or stretched before lifting weights, but three or four hours later I get a pain in my chest. And at that point, my brain starts going, dude, oh my God, man, you're having a heart attack. You're having a heart attack. You feel you feel your left arm. It's getting numb. Ew, you're having a heart attack, bro. This is it. You got to pick up that phone. You got to pick up that phone and call somebody. You're sweating. That's another sign of a heart attack. You feel how fast your heart rate's going? 
stop at any minute. You're going to die. You got to call someone. You're going to die right now. It's too late. You should have called someone a minute ago. It's too late. And this will go on, this thought process and these physical symptoms will go on from anywhere from a couple minutes to an hour. In this state of extreme panic. I think think technically what I have is panic attacks, not anxiety attacks. Sometimes it doesn't even have a physical symptom. It won't even be a pain in my shoulder. I might be sitting kind of in a weird way, kind of slumped over playing video games, and I just feel weird. And then all of a sudden, I will get chest pain and arm pain. You're like, Jason, are you sure you're not actually having heart attacks? I have gone to the emergency room more than once through my life. There are ways to test if you've had a heart attack, blood tests, they can do all this stuff. I've never had a heart attack. But it's always a panic attack. It's always an anxiety attack. It's always nothing. But my brain is like full red alert. When I'm in the... In the middle of one of these anxiety attacks, I can't look in the mirror. Because when I look in the mirror during an anxiety attack, the thought pops in my head, that is the last time you will ever see your own face. You're going to die. You're going to die right now. But I don't. What's interesting is that's how an anxiety attack works for me. But longtime listeners of this show will know I have had real medical emergencies. The one I haven't had one in a couple of years now. But the one that I had a couple of times was an AFib. My heart would go out of rhythm. We think we figured it out. It was having to do with acid reflux and sleeping and my esophagus punching against my heart, throwing it out of rhythm. Because since I started watching more of the spicy foods I eat before bedtime, not going, laying down, you know, right after I had a giant meal, all this stuff is pretty much eliminated. I haven't had an AFib in a couple of years. But the first time I had an AFib, I was fully awake. I, I didn't wake up in AFib. I was sitting there and I was drinking water. I was eating a bunch of garbage that day, had a ton of caffeine. I was drinking water and my heart went out of rhythm. And that's what AFib is. My heart rate will beat 180, 200 beats per minute. But it won't go It'll go It sucks. I mean, imagine your heart doing that. I always said it feels like I used to have a car, the motor mounts were tore out because I was driving the thing like a banshee. I ripped the motor mounts out so every time you hit the gas, the whole engine would shift and you would feel the weight of the car move before the car moved. <laughs> like, the people who get the car, they're like, how does this thing even work? It's like driving a catapult. That's what it would feel like. My heart would be... Every time I've been in AFib, whether I woke up with it, which was the majority of times, or that one time where I had it, where I was just getting ready to get off of work, My internal monologue was not, alert, 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 this is it, you're going to die. What we've been planning for, all those panic attacks, they were just training for this moment. You're going to die. You have to call 911 right now. What you are feeling is not normal. 
This is it. It's do or die time. <laughs> Literally, if you don't do this, you will die. No. That's not what happened. Every time I've had an AFib or any real life, not panic-induced health crisis, which the AFib is the best example of that, my internal monologue goes, hey, um, yeah, we don't want to bother you, but there's this thing going on in your heart right now. And while it seems scary, you're not going to die. But you should go to the doctor. Like, just go to, go to the emergency room. Call 911 if you need to. Maybe ask someone for a ride. But just be calm. Get some help. Everything will be okay. And it's really weird, right? I've had enough panic attacks and I've had enough real-life medical issues where when I do go to the doctor, they go, yeah, that was a real thing. You were suffering from that. The internal monologue during the panic attack is one of panic, one that you will die right now. The AFib, while it won't kill you immediately, it can kill you. It can cause blood clots because your heart is beating irregularly. Blood starts to pool up in certain parts of your body. It can cause a heart attack or a stroke. But it's okay. Just go to the doctor. Everything will be okay. What does any of this have to do with Israel? Really, what does any of this have to do with paranormal conspiracy or true crime? The subject matter of this podcast. Well, here's the thing. Israel in, I can really speak mostly from the Christian faith because that's how I was raised, but the nation of Israel plays an important part, not just obviously in the life of Jesus because he was, you know, hanging out over there, but when Israel's back is against the wall, when the whole world turns on the nation of Israel, that is when Jesus is supposed to return. That is the end days. Or as Arnold Schwarzenegger would call it, the end of days. Armageddon, the Battle of Armageddon, is not just a word that was made up. There's actually a field called Megiddo. Armageddon is like the French translation of that. Megiddo is a location in Israel where all of the armies, the last remaining survivors after all of these other horrible cataclysms that are supposed to happen, meet in Megiddo, the good guys and the bad guys. It's this giant Lord of the Rings level fight to finally determine who wins, good versus evil. Israel, the attack of Israel, the fall of Israel, the rebuilding of Israel, all of these are very, very important pieces of Christian in-time Theology. Israel is very, very important to the Christians, and most Western conspiracy theory is born out of that as well. Stories of the Illuminati, they're always saint worshippers, right? They're always trying to bring about the Antichrist or prevent the return of Christ. They're always talking about wiping Christianity off of the map, out of the globe. Western conspiracy theory is deeply, deeply soaked in Christian theology, especially in time stories. And it's kind of a given. 
It's kind of a given that whenever something bad happens in the Middle East, because I grew up like this, not just hearing it. My father was a Southern Baptist minister, and it wasn't he wasn't a fire and brimstone minister. We didn't get it all the time into the world being pushed down our throat. But obviously, being part of that church, you would pick it up by osmosis. Whenever there happened to be some big event in the Middle East growing up, Adults around me would be thinking, is this the beginning of the end? Are these the end days? Is the final battles about to be set off? All throughout the Cold War, America aligned itself with Israel, while the Soviet Union aligned itself with everybody else in the Middle East. And that gave it this whole, like, will Israel be destroyed? Is this beginning of the end times? I remember... Very clearly, when I was very, very into conspiracy theories, because I was older at this point, Gulf War One. This was the beginning of the end of the world. If you look at prophecies in the book of Revelation, it says the sun will go as black as sackcloth. And when Saddam Hussein lit the oil wells on fire when he was retreating from Kuwait, a lot of people said that was the prophecy fulfilled. During the day, the sun was blotted out by these oil fires, these uncontrollable oil fires. The rivers will run of blood was another very famous quote or vision prophecy of the book of Revelation. And people said that that could have been the oil spilling into the waterways because it was thick and congealed like a dead man's blood. But it didn't happen. It wasn't the end of the world. But I remember people talking about it a lot. And it came back during the second Gulf War. This is it. I mean, remember all that Nostradamus stuff, you know, that he supposedly predicted the fall of the Twin Towers. This was supposed to be the rise of the Antichrist. All of this stuff, Gulf War II happens. We're in, and we're first off, huge attack at 9-11. Then we're in Afghanistan. We're in Iraq, which is much closer to Israel. All of these things are going on and people are saying that this is the beginning of the end of the world. It wasn't the end of the world, but I remember all of the panic. And as time has gone on and I'm reading these conspiracy websites, the smallest things, the smallest things that happen in the Middle East or to Israel specifically will light the conspiracy theory world ablaze. This is it, guys. This is the end of the world. I've been seeing that for most of my life. There was an uprising in Gaza. You know, these happen quite often. It's the end of the world. Uh, Israel's going to get attacked by Hezbollah. This is the beginning of the end of the world. This Arab Spring that happened quite a few years ago. They're going to overthrow all their leaders and then they're going to take on Israel. It's the end of the world. Russia is putting troops into Syria. This is the first step because it says the armies of the East will march into Israel, this is the end of the world. I've been hearing that my entire life. Until now. I go to these conspiracy websites, and since this Israeli thing has popped off, I've been checking them out a little more. And while there is a tiny bit, a tiny bit of discussion, I'm not going to say that nobody's talking about it, it is getting nowhere near the amount of discussion that any of these other events had. And we're talking about, like, this is the worst I've seen it in my life. 
This is the worst I've seen it. Israel getting ready to go into the Gaza Strip. We're moving aircraft carriers into the area. Iran is saying, don't. Russia's saying, don't. Biden's telling Iran, don't. And on top of all of that, this past weekend, we had an eclipse. The sun will go as black as sackcloth. I've seen articles saying that the streets of Gaza reek of the smell of blood. Almost like rivers running down these streets. And this invasion, this uh, military march of over 300,000 troops that may be how many soldiers they put into the Gaza Strip, has actually been postponed as of the time of recording this because of flooding. Huge rainstorm hit the area. Who, I've seen online, people say, well, that is the will of Allah. Postponing the invasion of the Gaza Strip. Divine protection, they say. Flooding in Tel Aviv. Huge rainstorm. Bad enough that they've had to postpone their invasion because it's cutting off their ability to use drones or aircraft in the battlefield. Listen, outside of the human element of this story, outside of the political element of this story and the religious element of this story, I'm looking at the conspiracy theory. And I've seen more conspiracy theories regarding this about photos. Like, this photo is fake. That news story is not true. This news story was blown out of proportion. This, those conspiracy theories are flying around like you can't even keep up with it. But the media, the conspiracy theory media said, that's not true. This is true. That's not true. Da, da, da. And you're seeing this huge thing. Those are happening so quickly. But the one thing that these communities are not talking about is this is the end of the world, guys, or at least the start. We had an eclipse, major flooding. We're about to see Israel go in with a massive amount, a massive ground force into the Gaza Strip. And a lot of countries are telling them not to. A lot of countries who have a vested interest in keeping them out. But it's okay. Don't panic. Everything's going to be just fine. It's weird, isn't it? Conspiracy theory community, the end of days community, they're pretty silent on this one. And I don't know why. Hey, Jim. Jim, can you hear me? Jim Crowley. This is the craziest episode. Some might call it cursed. (laughs) I've gone through several iterations of this, and I forgot to say your name. I actually, it's been a nightmare. (laughs) So anyways, Jim Crowley, you get the uh, studio mic that I usually use when I'm playing Fortnite and yelling at 10-year-olds. Jim Crowley, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind the Middle East. Fly us all the way out to a house at the edge of the woods. We're flying all the way out to South Carolina. The year is 2023. 
and we're about to meet this woman. Her name is Patricia. We walk into Patricia's house, and she's sitting there holding, like, grapes or something, eating. Yum, yum, yum. We take a seat on the couch, and she goes, Welcome to my beautiful home. Welcome to my beautiful home. It's a fairly new house. It's only been built in the past 20 years, and Patricia and her family have only lived in it for the past four. Patricia lives there as well as her husband, and they have at least one child, a daughter who we will call Betty. They're all living in this house. Things seem to be going good. However, some parts of the house are creepier than others. Really, what they kind of zoned in on, Patricia and her husband, is the stairway. Both of them have gotten the weird feeling that there's something on the stairs. It's a two-story house. (laughs) Did I mention that? You're like, where are the stairs? The porch stairs? It's a two-story house. And both Patricia and her husband have... Well, there's nothing been definitive as far as she knows, but it's just a weird feeling you get when you're on the stairs of this house. But what's interesting is they do have a collection of cats, and the cats seem totally fine. They hang out on the stairs. And aren't animals, like, more sensitive to the world of the paranormal? It's an interesting story. It's not It's not the whole story. You're like, wow, Jason, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. I want you to remember the cats. And I want you to remember how old the house is. Because I think longtime listeners of Dead Rabbit Radio can tell Patricia's already making some interesting... She's jumping to conclusions based on what she sees in scary movies. House is only 20 years old. You can't have a house that young already be haunted, can you? Cats hanging out on the stairs. Animals are sensitive to this paranormal stuff, so they should be running around. Stairs must be okay. Patricia and her husband... Let's give the husband a name. We'll call him Jack. I didn't come up with a name for him. I don't know how much he plays in the story, honestly. But Patricia and Jack, they have a three-year-old daughter who we'll call Betty. And Betty goes, Mama! Mama! I don't like the window! Patricia scoops up her daughter and goes, What do you mean you don't like the window? Betty goes, The window is spooky. There's a monster on the other side of it. It's super scary. And Patricia's holding her daughter and looks out the window. And, I mean, it's a normal yard. Of course there's no monster there. Of course there's no monster. Patricia doesn't see anything out there. This is the imagination of a three-year-old girl. Patricia looks out in the backyard. They have a yard, and then the yard borders on a forested area. So while Patricia can't see everything, because eventually trees start to block her vision, she knows there's no monsters in the forest either. She is a rational adult. But Betty goes, no, no, there's a monster out there. I tell you, sometimes I look out the window and it crawls out from underground. (laughs) All of a sudden she becomes a Vincent Price narrator. Spooky. Sometimes I look out the window... And I see the beast. Normally it lives underground. 
Well, that's where it hides from the prying eyes of the human race. But it every so often will crawl out of the ground and fly into the sky. It's super spooky. I don't like the window, Mommy. Patricia asked, Has this monster hurt you? And Betty's answers concerning, Betty says, quote, No, not yet. So she definitely sees, Betty sees this monster as some sort of threat. It's interesting, lives in the woods, or it lives underground and it comes up and it's hanging out in the woods and then it flies into the sky. She doesn't describe it if if it has like wings or if it's like Superman. Oh, I, doubt, I doubt it's Superman. I doubt she would describe him as a monster. She's like, oh, he's dashing. But who is his true identity? I'm assuming wings. Right? I'm assuming it's just not like a monster Superman flying, Bigfoot's flying over the forest. Uh, but who knows, right? The world of paranormal is super bizarre. It could also just be the overactive imagination of a three-year-old who has the unfortunate pleasure of living in a house that borders the woods. Talk about terrifying. <laughs> I talk about absolutely terrifying place to grow up. That's all happening in er, that's all happening in early 2023. Now it's July 2023, and Patricia wakes up in the middle of the night. Oh, mm, ow, yep, that's it. That's the bladder. Yep, mm-hmm. Time to go pee. She crawls out of bed. Her husband Jack, fast asleep, walking down the hallway, trying to hold it in. She gets to the bathroom. She's walking down to she's walking to the bathroom down the hallway to get to the bathroom and she turns on the hallway light because she has to pass by the stairs and the stairway is just too creepy it always gives her such a a bad vibe that she turns the hall light on as she's walking down this hallway a grown person a grown adult afraid of the dark she gets to the bathroom and she flicks on the bathroom light switch click the bathroom light doesn't come on. She flicks it again. Click, 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 on and off, on and off, on and off. The bathroom light will not come on. Whatever, right? She has to pee. She doesn't want to go downstairs to pee. I'm just going to have to pee in the dark. And that's not a bad thing, right? I used to live in an apartment with no electricity. I peed in the dark all the time. Every so often, I made it to the toilet. Pee in the dark. What, no big deal. So she pees. She walks back down the hallway, shuts off the hallway light, crawls into bed. Next morning, when she wakes up, she goes into the upstairs bathroom. She flicks the switch, and the light comes on. So now she's even more puzzled. At first, she'd be like the bulb burnt out. Something went wrong. But the next morning when it works just fine, now she's really puzzled as to what it could be. She eventually brings this up to her husband and she goes, hey, did you fix the light switch or change the light bulb out? Something really weird happened the other night. I woke up to go to the bathroom. Couldn't get the bathroom light to work. That's when her husband 
turns to Patricia and tells her, he goes, listen, the next time that happens, the next time you go into the bathroom upstairs and you try to turn on the light and it doesn't turn on, either go back to bed or go use the bathroom downstairs. And do not look out the window. I found this posted online. It was posted by someone going by the name Winter Young. And they ended their post by, you know, really what they're wondering is what in the world this could be. And it says, quote, I guess my question is, what the heck am I dealing with? I don't think it's hostile. Just curious. Though my husband says don't interact. Also, I, I'm still going to pee in my own bathroom. Ain't no way I'm going downstairs, is how she's her quoting. We can kind of take that as grammatically pretty rough <laughs> sentence, but, I mean, I can't pronounce words, so who am I to judge? This story has all of those elements, right? You have a person who probably their only paranormal experience is through watching movies and scary books. So you don't think a house that is only 20 years old could be haunted. It's The house itself is 20 years old. The land that it's built on is, what, 6.5 billion years old? A lot of times people look at the structure itself and miss out that the land that your house, your brand new house is built on, could be charged with all sorts of positive or negative energy. Because that piece of land is as old as the earth itself, relatively speaking. I know that islands are being formed by volcanoes. Just, just go with me on this. You could argue that most land we walk on is at least hundreds of millions of years old. People will be like, no, actually, Papua New Guinea is not 6.4 billion. You got to understand. Okay, so who knows who died there? Who knows who died on that patch of land? Also, I mean, building a house next to a forest, you're just kind of asking for spooky stuff. You're just asking for spooky stuff to happen. I don't think it's a spirit. I don't think it's a spirit. I think, if anything, it's close. In the Venn diagram of things, I don't think it's a pure cryptid. I don't think it's a pure spirit. It could be something in the middle. It could be something more like the boogeyman. I don't think this thing is a ghost. I think this thing is a monster. It definitely is a monster, but it has ghost-like abilities. It probably is in the house from time to time. It probably is what's making them feel uncomfortable on the stairs. But there's a bigger issue here. She's wondering, what is it? There's a big issue here. And I think you guys probably all picked up on it. Jack, the husband, knows way more about this than she does. Not only, not only was he fully aware that something was outside this house. The, the weird feeling on the staircase, it could be something different. But... The husband knew there was something outside this house. Not only did he know there was something outside this house, he knew the rules. Don't go to the bathroom. If you go in there and the light's shut off, don't look out the window. Either go back to bed, hold it in, <laughs> be the bed, or go to a different bathroom. Go to the one downstairs, even though the stairway's creepy. Go down there. 
he knew there was something outside the house. When the daughter, Betty, was talking about, it's scary, Mommy, there's something outside. If Jack overheard that conversation or Patricia relayed it to him later, Jack knew, Jack wouldn't know that Betty was telling the truth. Jack would know that his daughter had also seen this beast in the darkness. Yet he failed to tell his wife. That's what's absolutely bizarre about this story. I mean, the monster notwithstanding, right? Obviously, that's the most bizarre, obviously that's the most bizarre part of the story. But we've covered stories like this before, too. I don't know. I don't remember them off the top of my head. But stories where you would have a couple, and when things finally started to hit the fan, one person would reveal to the other, "Yeah, I've been seeing this stuff for a long time." I wasn't telling anyone. Actually, I do remember that episode. I'll, I'll pull it up because it's a very, very good story. Uh, definitely in the back half of Dead Rabbit Radio. about the. It's called The Economic Costs of a Haunting. Or a, The Economic Cost of a Demonic Infestation or something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. And it's the story of a woman whose life has been completely destroyed by a demon in her house. But she's not telling her kids about it. She's seeing and experiencing all of these things. And she goes, I don't even have the willpower to start the process to sell the house. Like, it has completely drained me. I have to get out of here. It's going to kill me. But I can't find the energy to do that. And then throughout the story, she realizes, I think at least her older daughter had seen it as well. But the older daughter wasn't telling anyone else. People in the family were experiencing this demon... But they were all keeping it quiet. And, and in this case, it's kind of the same thing where Jack knew there was something out in the darkness, right? He never told his wife. And she doesn't even really pick up on that. She's just like, well, I wonder uh, what it is. Which it still is a valid question, but... I mean, imagine if you knew... It's one thing, of course people are going to keep secrets. Of course people are going to keep secrets. But imagine... If someone was keeping a secret that would put you in peril and even worse, put your daughter in peril because Patricia didn't believe Betty. Who would believe a three-year-old when they said there's a monster flying up out of the woods and it might eventually hurt me? You're going to assume it's just the overactive imagination of a child. But then when you go, hey, you know, it's really weird. Uh, Betty just told me there's a monster in the woods and your husband's like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know how to bring it up, so I never told you, but she's right. There is a monster in the woods. That would already be alarming enough because Patricia would completely blow off these stories that there's anything out there which could put Betty in danger. Because if she doesn't know there's a threat near the house, imagine if your loved one knew there was a pit bull that had broke free from a neighbor's house and was wandering, but didn't tell you, didn't tell you about it. And then your three-year-old's like, Mommy, Mommy, there's a big, muscular monster dog out there. And you're like, quit making stuff up. As you're kicking her out the door, you're pushing her out the door with a foot. Go and play. Go have fun climbing that tree or digging those holes, whatever you do. And pit bull. Uh, uh, kills your kid. It's like that. It's, it's like that. You would have knowledge that could possibly save a child from being 
Okay, maybe not eaten. I don't know what this thing wants or really what its end goal is, right? It seems to just be scaring them right now. But Jack knew about it. Betty knew about it. And Betty told the mom, but Jack didn't. It's weird. And I understand. The only thing I can think of is going back to the mockery angle. If Jack does believe in the paranormal, or at least is open to it, and Patricia doesn't at all, and Jack sees an adult man, sees a monster in the backyard of their house, if he doesn't feel comfortable going to his wife and saying, I think there's a monster, and to be fair, most people wouldn't. Because the chance of being mocked for it is so high. It's the same thing. It would be one thing if he goes, I think our house is haunted. I saw a little girl in the basement. She faded away. I caught a glimpse of her. That's one thing. Even a skeptic can go, well, you know, that's weird. Right? They might get a little creeped out when they go into the basement. But when you start talking about boogeymen or monsters, that's when... A lot of people are just like, that's ridiculous. And you may go, well, listen, I saw a monster in the backyard. My daughter's talking about seeing a monster in the backyard. But I don't feel comfortable telling my wife she's going to mock me. She's going to say I'm stupid. And, and it is stupid. There are no monsters. And that could be what Jack is telling himself, even after he's seen this thing, probably more than once. But when it eventually got to the point where his wife was experiencing just a little bit of the phenomenon, turning the light on and not turning on, he I feel like he had to tell her at that point. Because if something did happen, he's probably thinking, listen, I'm going to get mocked for this. She may laugh about this. But if I don't say anything and something really bad happens to her, then I will feel like I could have stopped it. That's the only scenario I could really think of as to why he wouldn't tell her earlier about it. Why he wouldn't say, yeah, no, our daughter's right. There is something in the woods. The best way to to talk about this type of stuff is to not use terms like monster, goblin, you know, creature from beyond, any of those words. It's the same thing when you call 911 if you're being attacked by a supernatural entity. You don't go, 911, please help me. Freddy Krueger just showed up and he's killing us off one by one. You just call up and say, there's a guy in here with a gun and he just shot my mom and I think he's going to shoot me next. Here's my address. And then when they show up, they see Freddy Krueger. <laughs> we don't give them any of those wacky details in the beginning. You just say, my house is on fire. Someone's been shot. There's a home invasion and then the police will show up. Same thing, if there is something... Like, he didn't use the word monster in this narrative. He just said, don't look out the window. That's probably as comfortable as he felt talking about it. Because once you do start saying, that, honey, I think there's a monster in the woods, most people will laugh at you. If you say that you caught the smell of your mother's perfume and it reminded you of her, even though she passed away years ago... Your coworkers may go, oh, that's nice. If you tell your coworkers you caught a leprechaun, you trapped a leprechaun in a cardboard box, they'll laugh at you. If you tell people your house is haunted by the spirit of a woman from the 1700s or 
your house is haunted by the boogeyman. They'll have different reactions. And I think that's really the only reason why I think he wouldn't tell it. Because definitely this is a threat. It's affecting things in the house. And it's affecting them in a way that isn't permanent either. I mean, a raccoon, a rat can chew through your wires and make it so your bathroom light doesn't come on. It's choosing to not let the bathroom light come on at certain times. And then allowing it to at others. So there's definitely a level of cognition with this thing. It's intelligent. Why it's doing what it's doing, we don't know. I don't think, when she says, I don't think it's hostile, just curious. I'm wondering if that means that she thinks the creature is curious or if she means that she's just curious as to what it is. But to say I don't think it's hostile is odd because it's already affecting... Your house. It's affecting your ability to turn on a light. And what is a light to a human but safety? I think if this is anything, it is hostile. And I think this family has to communicate with each other and figure out a way to protect themselves from it. Before they all learn for a fact that it is hostile. It hasn't hurt anyone in the family. At least, not yet. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day, guys.